Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one -on -one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I am really thrilled to have back a very special guest that I had on the podcast a few years ago, Coot Blackson. Coot is a transformational teacher and a national best-selling author, and we dive deep into his latest book, The Magic of Surrender. This seems really heady, this idea of surrender, and, and Coot really describes how it's a powerful state of being, and it's not at all wimpy. It's not like you're lacking courage, but in, instead you're really going into a place that your soul already knows. It's kind of redefining your path for freedom and joy, and he tells us how to do that. It was a wonderful topic, and we could have talked forever, but go check it out, his book, The Magic of Surrender, and listen about his advice for surrendering for your own soul. Welcome back, Coot. We were just saying it's been a few years, but I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's let's start right in. This very important and probably challenging concept of surrender. So what is surrender to you? Yeah, I think, you know, in our culture today, there are so many, like, myths or misconceptions we have about surrender. Um, this idea that surrender is weak or surrender is passive or surrender means... Uh, giving up means waving the white flag. If you surrender, uh, you are being left behind. If you surrender, you're going to be a doormat. It means sitting there doing nothing. If you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. If you surrender, um, you're going to get less in life. 
And so these sort of limited ideas of surrender tend to make us a bit resistant to surrendering. Or if you surrender, you have to like give up everything, move to the Himalayas and just have nothing in a begging bowl. And so uh, I think the ideas, uh, the connotations of surrender uh, only inspire resistance. And so for me, um, I believe that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. Uh, surrender is the key to real manifestation. Surrender is the key to that next level. Surrender is the key to greatness. Surrender is the password to freedom. And I think that if, if you look at all of the great ones, they surrendered. Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, uh, Mandela, um, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali. At some point, they all surrendered themselves to life, to God, to the infinite, to the divine. Whatever label you want to put, they surrendered themselves to the universe. They surrendered themselves to a calling that was bigger than themselves. And so, um, you know, this idea that I feel if people understand the real essence of surrender, it becomes something transformative and, and, and active and magical. And so, yes, surrender is to let go of control, or I should say the illusion that we are in control, control being the master addiction. And so it's to let go of the, the sense of control, I think, if you look at the last two to three years, maybe the universe has been showing us that we are not as in control as we thought. And and so uh, it's a letting go of control. Surrender is, a le is, is when we stop trying to force life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and how we think it should unfold and who we think we should be and how we think uh, life should be. And so it's the sense where you take the limitations off of life and you're open and you're available and you you know if you look at the great ones they surrendered themselves to the universe to 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 their deeper truth and in that surrender when i look at these folks they were able to transcend their own limited human capacity ability humanness and they tap into another dimension of life another dimension of potential and that's when i would say life began to manifest through them and use through, use them and create through them. And so I think surrender is, is truly powerful. And that's why I call it the magic of surrender, that we all want the magic, but we want to hold on to what we know. We all want the magic and the blessings and the, the miracles, but we want to be who we were. And so the next level of our life requires the next level of us. The next level of us requires that we let go of what's no longer aligned, what's no longer vibrational match, what's no longer working and who we were. But what we tend to do out of self-preservation and fear and comfort and familiarity and safety is hold on. We hold on to who we were and what was. And so uh, I think surrender is key to that mm. next level. I think the old paradigm of living and manifesting was really all about but make it happen and 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 like will yourself there and ma you manifest it and and what i do say is this ego-based method or this ego-based modality and way of living life yeah you you we, you will you can be successful you can manifest things but often it will be in a realm of limitation because the mechanism the ego what we perceive ourselves to be that we are using to manifest and make life happen in and of itself is limited, in and of itself is conditioned by past experience, by history, by pain, by trauma, by successes, by failures. And so we're still creating in a limited paradigm because the ego with its limited perception is only able to see a small dimension of reality rather than the whole picture of what is seeking to unfold. Whereas, you know, from this sort of ego-based paradigm, you might get what you thought you wanted, 
only to realize that what you thought you wanted wasn't what you really wanted. It was what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And many of the goals that we project and set up can be uh, projections of, let's say, unmet needs from childhood. Like, oh, if I can get that house and that car and that success and that fame and, you know, that that thing, then I'm going to be happy, right? And, and so in the realm of surrender and living this this concept of surrender, it's a different question. It's an infinite question. And to me, the question in surrender becomes less about what do I want? And it becomes more about feeling into Tune, attuning into, sensing, what is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to unfold to me? What is it that God is seeking? What is it that my soul is seeking to express? That deeper dimension of my authentic nature, what is that seeking to express? And then feeling into that and listening to that and aligning with that so that now you're working in harmony with nature. And so it doesn't mean sitting there, surrender doesn't mean sitting there and doing nothing. It means you feel into the deeper truth that is authentic then you align with that and then you can take action. Then you can bring the ego and the mind and the personality and planning and strategizing, you know, to support the deeper intention of your truth and your authentic nature. And so as an example, um, The Magic of Surrender Book, this was not the book I wanted to write. This was not the book I planned to write. I had planned to write a whole other kind of book and I made a, a strategic mental map and plan of different titles and different topics and the truth is that I thought would be bestsellers, that I thought my publishers would want. And the truth is none of those books, none of those titles, none of those topics felt true. None of those felt really authentic. They just felt like great ideas that were maybe great marketing concepts, but none of those felt aligned. The only word that stood out and felt true for me was the word surrender. If I was honest, I could have resisted, but the only word that felt authentic was the word surrender. And so... At first, I resisted thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to write about this topic uh, because we often have these misconceptions and we resist it. But it felt so true that it had an energy that was bigger than me. And I think when we resist our soul's knowing, when we, we resist our deeper truth, that's when we, we block the flow. That's when we constipate our lives. That's when we end up getting sick and depressed because we're not living in alignment with what we, what we sense to be true. And so I had to surrender to the book that was seeking to be written about surrender. And when I did, everything started flowing naturally and, and amazingly. It doesn't mean there weren't some challenges, but that's when I knew that I was on the right path. All right. There's so much to dive into there. The first thing that really came up for me when you were saying mm -hmm. surrender is it's almost like this um, acceptance. Acceptance is yep. a word that can also be perceived as very passive and very weak. Mm, we but there's yep. such a strength in acceptance. And I feel like surrender and acceptance, when you really see them in action, I feel like okay. a lot of people that have gone through a life-altering event, and often it's like near-death event, you know, that they have, the, there is a surrender of like, I'm human, I'm mortal, and everything's much clearer what matters. Yeah. Short of doing that, having <laughs> that, <laughs> having that life-altering event where you really accept like the unfolding of life. And it's not a passive it, but it's like you said, you're not resisting the things that yeah. are true to your soul, not yes. based on what you read or were told, but truly yes. what light you up. So short of that happening, what are some tips for people like 
they can be like, this sounds great. This sounds wonderful. Yep. How do I even get into that place where, you know, all I'm hearing are my thoughts that have been yes. on a reel. How do right. I go deeper to get into that place Mm-hmm. of inner knowing and wisdom that you like you said all the greats had yeah i, I want to i want to you know i think because there's there's a few different things that i would say might be important to touch on one is the, the what is it that surrenders and the nature of the ego that is the resistance machine mechanism within us but i would also say i like that you touched on acceptance so i want to just start there acceptance and surrender seem to to work together and and here's the thing Acceptance is a is a very important and necessary phase in the process of surrender. But where a lot of us get stuck is we mistakenly think that acceptance, oh, is surrender. It's and not it's the not, final step. No. It, it, no. And it's yeah. not. It's a phase in the process. So first, we're often unconscious and we're in denial. Then we begin a process of questioning, but we go into resistance. From resistance, we begin negotiating with reality. Well, maybe it doesn't need to change. Maybe, you know, I don't have an addiction. I'm just, I like drinking, but I'm really an alcoholic, but I'm negotiating with my reality. Maybe, you know, they're not as bad as I think. And if I change, they'll change. So we're often going to that period of, of negotiation. And so then we move into acceptance. Acceptance is accepting what is. It is what it is. You can't change anything until you accept something. And when you get when you accept something, you go into a relationship with something, and that's when you stand the possibility of changing something. And so acceptance is the key, right? And, but it is not the re, it is not the ultimate phase of surrender, which moves you into a whole different dimension of freedom. You can be in an acceptance of something, but still be subtly resisting. Like it's raining outside. I accept that it's raining. I take my umbrella, but I'm pissed off that it's raining because I had all of these plans. So I'm kind of like mad inside while accepting it's raining, but I'm mad. Or I accept who my wife is, but I don't like what she is. And you know what? I'm going to like, you know, suck it up, like hold back my love because she's not being who I want her to be. I'm not going to leave, but I'm accepting and I'm kind of tolerating what she is. This is not going to provide freedom. And so surrender, just to clarify the differentiation, is a, let's call it an open-hearted participation in the process of what is happening. It's raining outside, so how can we use this for, you know, our highest good? It's raining outside, so we're going to make the most of it and trust that it's unfolding, you know, in a perfect way. And so surrender is to be open-hearted and to participate with the process that is unfolding so that you use it to grow and evolve. And now, oh wait, can I just pause there because yes. I want to? I want you to speak to this. So I'm thinking when you're talking, like what I've seen uh, over you know almost three decades. When I when I see people of all different ages, stages in life, and I think of accepting in the in this stage of it as like when somebody says, "Wow, when I'm doing this." I can't do this. I can't do this. I want to look like this. I want to be able to do this. And what I want people to ultimately feel without me telling them is here I am today. What does that look like? That doesn't mean I'm going to be, I'm going to stay here. Like you were saying, like, but, um, why am I always trying to do something or have this like Go, it's almost like punitive. Like, I want to be able to do this it, in yoga poses. Like, I want to be mm-hmm. able to do this. I want to be up. Why can't I do this today? And I'm like, you have to, to me, this is like a real um, tool 
to practice here that you that they, you then see in life. Patience, uh-huh. compassion, that that acceptance of where you are, but not that you have to stay there. Yeah. But to change it, there needs to be an active participation uh-huh. in changing it because you want to you want to improve yourself, not because yes. you're trying to be something. Uh-huh. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. Would, would you yeah. see a similarity there? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, for sure, we have to be able to accept something like I, let's say I'm an alcoholic or Mm -hmm. I have an alcohol issue. Unless you accept it, you can't change it if you're constantly in denial of like, well, yeah, I drink sometimes. I drink every day, but it's not a problem. I drink every day or just on the weekends, I get totally crazy, drunk, smashed, and I have, but but I'm not an alcoholic because I could stop anytime I want, but I don't, but I could. And so this is a form of like, uh, resistance and so yeah, it's that ego bat. So that's yes. again, I think that's the yes. whole thing. Like when we try and practice, and we're just doing it from ego, not yes. from like I want to use this as a tool to better know myself. Well, well, right, but for instance, you know, acceptance is to accept. I am in an abusive relationship. This relationship is toxic, it's dysfunctional, and it's abusive. Mm. And just to accept that now, acceptance doesn't mean you stay in it. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people are afraid of coming into acceptance and they're in denial because they want they don't want it to win, so they don't want to see what it is. Change so, is hard. Change is and, hard. And change is hard. And we're, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about why. But I think to accept that I'm in an abusive relationship, it's, it's, it's detrimental, it's killing my soul, is a step. That doesn't mean you stay there, but you can't make a different choice if you're not accepting and you're denying what it really is. Because in denying what it really is, you are kind of perpetuating living in that experience, kind of disconnecting from the reality. So it's facing reality. Acceptance is a, is a dimension of facing reality. I always say to people, I'm not really an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I don't mm. see the glasses half empty or half full. I just see it as what it is. Because when you deal with what it is, then you can change something. However, you can still be an acceptance and still be resisting like, I hate how it is. It shouldn't be how it is. I fucking accept it, but I'm mad at God and mad at the world. So let's then talk about the surrender, which is the open-hearted participation. It helps, though, from a spiritual level, if you understand that you are a soul. If you really kind of get that, okay, I'm a soul. I've incarnated in this human experience. And every and life is a school. For, life is a university for my soul's evolution. And every experience is a, is a and every challenge and every relationship is part of the curriculum for my soul's evolution. And so if you can start seeing life from a multidimensional, let's say soul perspective versus a one-dimensional, just human level experience of this is happening, is right, wrong, good or bad, then you shift your relationship to life so that even if you are in a very difficult situation, if you even if you are in a challenging situation, because you're able to see life from a soul, let's say a solular, soulistic kind of soul perspective, then rather than just being rather than just resisting or just accepting, you're able to say, okay, for some reason my soul is going through this, so how, what is my soul seeking to learn in this experience and roll your sleeves up and surrender to, not the situation, but surrender to learning the lesson that you are needing to learn in that situation so that you can grow and evolve and become more of who you really are and actually end up transcending the experience by learning the lesson because all lessons are repeated until learn. And so I think it really helps if you have a soul understanding or soul perspective so that you're not just stuck in a situation, accepting a situation, but 
participating in the situation fully for your evolution. And so that's part of the shift that happens if you're able to see yourself as a soul. And now between acceptance, here's a key, between acceptance and surrender, a reason why a lot of us don't get to a full surrender, which is, okay, this is happening for my, for, for my highest good. I broke up with this person for my highest good, which doesn't always feel like it in the moment because in the mm. moment, many times our ego isn't able to see the possibilities and the good. It just looks bad. Okay, this illness, this situation, this divorce, it is a breakdown, COVID, what is happening for my highest good? That is the dimension of surrender. To really move into that, there is a phase in the, mis in the middle that we often miss. And that phase between acceptance and surrender is grieving. Mm. Many times we miss the phase of grieving. So we're not able to like let the past go and open our heart fully to the full open-hearted participation in the experience or the new experience, the new relationship, because we're still carrying pain and resentment and frustration from the past. Even though we accept it, we're not able to like fully open. Even though I accepted the relationship was over, I'm still bitter. I'm still a bit mad at what happened. I accepted it. I divorced. I moved on. But internally, I'm not surrendered. And so to really surrender, which is open-hearted participation and opening to the new, grieving is a key. To grieve the past, to grieve what was, because true surrender is a death. It's a death to who you were. It's a death to the life you thought. It's a death to what you thought was going to be. It's a death to the ego's perception of, of, of how it thought life should be. There is an element of dying in the best way possible, but sometimes challenging of dying in terms of surrender. And so to grieve in our culture, we're often not taught to feel our feeling, to grieve because we're afraid. If I grieve, it will be too much. If I grieve, it will be overwhelming. I won't be able to handle it. If I grieve, you know, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to grieve because we're afraid. If I fully grieve, let's say the loss of the end of the relationship or the death of my mother, then like, like not grieving and being in denial becomes a way of, of holding on to what was, because if I don't grieve, then I don't have to admit it's really happened and I can still be in denial and, and, and still be connected to that person. And so sometimes we hold on out of good intention, but we keep ourselves stuck. Sometimes we don't grieve as a spiritual bypass because you know, I want to stay in a high vibration. I want to practice law of attraction. So I'm only going to acknowledge the positive, yet I'm not going to acknowledge the pain and the grieving that comes from the end of something, the grieving that comes of moving into a new faith, even if it's positive, positive. I have a friend. I was just going to add that because I yes. feel like this is important as for everybody who feels like they aren't like in an abuse, but I, I'm thinking about as parents, like we, uh, every stage I've always said, yeah. I had a little grief. I yes. had to mourn it being over with. And then I was also fair. It didn't mean I was less excited. I was yes. just, I, but I acknowledge like this yeah. phase is over, especially yeah. with my littlest. I was like, this is the final phase of yeah. having a kid doing this. And I always felt that, but, and that allowed me to then, to go to on to the next phase to accept yeah. and embrace. I remember and speaking to someone, yeah. a client, and she had to when, when she her her child was born, which is an amazing experience. She had to grieve the end of like coupled them, you know, yes. as, as as she knew it. I had a friend who she was about to get married and she couldn't figure out to the love of her life. She was in love, and she felt so sad and she didn't understand like why because she realized 
I'm having to grieve the end of my singleness. And, and that identity was something that she was going to have to like release so that she could fully embrace this new phase. And so grief is a natural stage of life, but often we don't acknowledge it because we want to stay positive and we want to stay high and want to stay high vibration. But what we don't grieve, we just kind of end up recreating, you know, in our life over and over again. And so I would ask people to sit with as they think about surrendering, what have you not allowed yourself to grieve? Many mm. times unconsciously, we are carrying around layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of micro grief, grieving that we haven't done from your toddler becoming, you know, a bit older from your, your, your child becoming a teenager, your teenager go, going to college, college to like being on their own fully. It's like all of that is a shift of your own identity. And so what have you not acknowledged? What have you not grieved? Because all of the ungrieved emotions remain as kind of emotional layers in debris that cloud our ability to feel fully, limit our ability to feel alive, and limit our capacity to truly surrender because we're holding on to the past. So grief is simply a, not to wallow in it, but is a portal to the next phase. And I think that's really important. And so the thing, I mentioned the word ego, but the thing or the mechanism that often resists coming into acceptance and coming into surrender is the ego. Mm -hmm. The ego, which is really what we believe ourselves to be. The ego, our perceived sense of self based on name, body, form, identity, experience, past, history, you know, ex uh, experiences, positive, negative. The ego is a mechanism. The ego is a, uh, an a sense of identification. And the degree to which we are identified with ourselves as this mind-body mechanism is the degree to which, in many ways, we are limited. And the degree to which we'll, we will often resist surrendering. So, surrender. So we say it's the ego that surrenders, that, that, that doesn't surrender. It's the ego that resists, just, mm. just to be clear. The resistance mechanism is the ego because to the ego, surrender feels like a death, a death of itself. And the ego's job is to reinforce its existence. And the ego's job is to protect us from getting hurt like we were hurt when we were five. You know, as children, this is why I say surrender is natural. It's, our, it's in fact, it feels hard. And I know many folks listening in might feel, oh, it's so hard. It's such a hard thing. But the truth is surrender at the deepest level is our true nature. It's what we are. When we were children, when we were born into this human experience, we, we were all surrendered. We were just being. We would cry when we felt like crying. We ran naked through the, you know, the garden and the house and, we didn't care what people were thinking about us. We jumped on the table and we sang, fully expressed, surrendered, until maybe our parents said, oh, you can't sing or be quiet, or the conditioning process began. So surrender is our natural state of being. We've just been conditioned out of it. And the version of ourselves, ego that we become, is what, we, we, is what actually resists. And so imagine here we are, these surrendered beings. We meet our parents. They're doing the best that they can do based on their life and their, their upbringing and their parents. And so maybe dad was crazy. Maybe mom was an alcoholic. And so two things happen <clears throat> where the mechanism of control and resistance begins. The first thing is we learn all sorts, of, all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel. We suppress emotion, suppress emotion, suppress emotion. Our true authentic nature gets hidden underneath the 
the layers of unfelt feeling and grieving, mm. and we develop all sorts of mechanisms to, like we erect all sorts of walls around our heart to protect our sensitivity, because maybe our parents were great people, but they just they didn't know how to meet our emotional need. And that was painful. So in order to not feel the pain or the helplessness or the loss or, you know, the, 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 the disappointment, we disconnected. We became more numb. We became overly analytical because if I remain in my mind, then I don't have to feel the sensitivity. And so we, 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 we erected all of these, these mechanisms to protect, our, protect ourselves from the pain. And then we developed a way of being, the sense of who do I need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval from mom and dad and my caregivers. And so we now contorted ourselves into a shape to become the version of ourselves, the version of Coot, the version of John, the version of Susie, the version of whoever we are, the version of ourselves that we thought we needed to be to get love, validation, approval, acceptance to fit in. And now we ended up becoming a person that we think we need to be. And we actually think, or a pattern, we become this pattern, this conditioned pattern and program that we think we need to be. And we think the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, not realizing that it's just a pattern. It's a pattern of conditioning. And that's why I say ego, what we believe ourselves to be, is not a thing. Ego is a process. It's just a process of holding on. It's a process of identification to what we believe ourselves to be. And that's why many of us will say, I'm just this way. This is just who I am. And I think the degree to which we are and we really believe it, but the degree to which we're conditioned and holding tightly, which is ego, is the degree to which we don't have free will, the degree to which we don't have choice. And so I think it's so, super important for us to just be aware of this mechanism of ego, this mechanism, and understand that it's not who we are. It's not what we are. But the reason we often don't want to change and come into acceptance and then grieve and then surrender is because for the ego, Surrender feels like a death. It's uncomfortable. And, and yeah. It's uncomfortable. Because it, it, yeah. it feels like, oh, the ego doesn't want to change. It wants everything and everyone else to change, but it doesn't want to change because it's trying to preserve its sense of identity. Because if I am my thoughts and my feelings and emotions, if I am my experiences and what I believe myself to be, then if I let that go and I question who am I and what am I, and I let go of this protection, I let go of this way of being. Who will I be? How will I survive? How will I not get hurt? And how will I get love, validation, and approval? And that's why we, we hold on. So if we could just realize, I'm not this. It's all these ways of being aren't me. They're just patterns and programs that we've learned to function and survive. Then we can begin to see ourselves differently, come into a deeper level of awareness, and perhaps relate to ourselves differently from the standpoint of bringing some compassion and loving to ourselves so that you don't even have to like make yourself surrender because that often creates more resistance, but we can then hold ourselves with understanding, with compassion, with tenderness, with care, hold our mechanisms, our resistance with care so that the ego can, let's say, slowly relax and soften. And that's when I think healing can happen. And that's when I think surrender can blossom as we can feel safer to just love ourselves through our own resistance because the ego was a creation that meant well. The mm -hmm. ego was a creation that tried to keep us safe. So there's a good intention. It's just a limited uh, way of being. Wow. So how 
how do people, I mean, obviously you wrote a book on this, <laughs> but how do people, how do people start? Like if, if somebody's uh, sitting there. I have a place there, to start. Yeah. Yeah. Like tell us I because I'm. people can, where people can start because the whole process you could say of surrendering. I think first just, I wanted people to understand like. Yes. What, what it, is it that doesn't surrender? What is it that, you know, holds on and resists and why? And I think if we can understand why, then we can relate to the mechanism that resists surrendering what we think of as a, of of as ourselves a bit differently with a bit more compassion and a bit it's more almost like you're surrendering the attachment that we have formed to, idea, to ego yes. yeah you're yeah. surrendering the attachment to the idea of what you think you are yeah that's a level of surrender and if you can see that so so, so one step is just seeing that and understanding that everything that you've become is not really what you are it's just patterns of conditioning mm. and that that relationship shift within yourself can start softening something, right? And so I think then one place we can start, and I don't know if we spoke about this last time, but I think one place that people can start on just a simple practical level before you even go deep down the rabbit hole is, is just starting with like one of the things that keeps us stuck and not surrendering and a mechanism that the ego uses to resist change is we lie to ourselves. And that's, that's a method because, because if I like, if I question myself and I start telling myself a deeper truth, then I might have to let go of what I think I am. So, but if, so if I'm in denial and I lie to myself, then I don't have to change. And so one of the ways we keep ourselves stuck are all the lies that we tell ourselves. We're constantly lying to ourselves about not, not often not out of negative intention, just out of ego survival, right? Mm -hmm. Ego protection, because ego's like, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to let this way of being go and feel helpless like I felt when I was five. So no, everything is fine. I'm fine. And and so the intention is good. I think so when we understand, oh, I'm not bad. Just the intention is, is good. That's, that's why the loving is important. And so that next step is to begin telling yourself the truth, to have the courage to just begin telling the truth. The truth will set you free and there is no real transformation without truth you have to want the truth and to be free more than you want what you have and so just acknowledging i'm not happy just acknowledging the truth i'm not in love with this person anymore do you think yeah yeah i was gonna say acknowledging the truth of like you know i hate my job but what i will tell people is we're often afraid to acknowledge the truth ego is out of fear of change out of fear of consequences we're afraid of the consequences that won't happen if i say I hate my job. I can't say I hate my job because how am I going to survive? Then I have to leave. And so ego kicks in to just protect us. Go, no, it's fine. I'm grateful. It's, I can make it work. And, and the truth is I hate my job and I'm miserable. Just, so I will say acknowledge the truth, but mm -hmm. take the pressure off of yourself of having to take action. Yeah. It's the pressure that we put on ourselves to take action that often keeps us stuck. So if you say, look, I don't have to take action. I don't have to do anything. I just need to acknowledge the truth. I don't have to, to action, put, put action to the side. Do then you think that in that, yeah. Get in touch with the truth. In that acknowledging the truth. Yes. How important is it to tell somebody? Like, I feel like uh, yeah. we can, we can talk inside and be like, oh, I really need to do something. Like say, you know, I really yeah. have been drinking too much lately. Okay. I'm yeah. kind of acknowledging it, but there's something very different about somewhat telling the truth and yeah. continuing behavior and saying to somebody, I, I need to tell somebody I just, yes. I'm drinking too much, you yeah. know? I, I think it, 
first, I think, is important that we tell ourselves. Yeah, of one. course. Yes. That's step one. And I do think there's another level of reality mm -hmm. and accountability when someone else knows and telling someone else, because then there's a support, then there's a witness. Like, you know, we talk about what is reality? Reality is agreement. Agreement as in when two people come into agreement and understanding, right? Like money has no reality until two people agree that this this piece of paper means thought, something. Right. And so when you tell somebody, it brings it into the real world. It brings it into another level of reality. I think I'm not a Catholic, no, no, no nothing against Catholics, but you know, I think it's interesting. You go to confession. <laughs> you go to confession perhaps for this very reason to like confess the truth to someone else so there is some kind of witness. And so I think having a, a confession with someone holds another level of accountability. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something sure. about like saying something out saying, loud too is like yeah. almost like an emotion that's coming out. It's freeing. It's freeing, right? Yeah. It's like, it's wow, freeing. that was a hard, I thought that was going to be so hard to say and I said it and it, I feel a lot better or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't the know truth, either. So I yeah. think the truth is, 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 if all people did, if all we did was began to tell the truth to ourselves. Oh my goodness, yes. Literally, I think so much, which so many of the things we're therapizing about and meditating on and working on and praying about, going to church to ask God for help about, would dissolve. So I really think the truth has the capacity to set us free in ways that are profound. Are there questions, like yep. when you're doing this inquiry, going into like getting to, you know, yes. getting through the shackles around the soul. Yeah. What are the questions you uh, ask people? Around truth. Yeah. yeah. Number one, you know, ask yourself, what, what lies am I telling myself? And just mm. sit with the truth because deep down we know, we know mm. what lies am I telling myself? Number two, what am I pretending to not know? Because we pretend like, mm. I don't know. I'm confused. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this person we know. If someone put a gun to our head, we know. <laughs> I, I, I joke and say, you know, how many times have you, have you been in a relationship in the past where you were back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, unsure? The moment you broke up, you told your best friend, I knew that wasn't going to work. I just, I just knew. I knew it from the beginning. We have this sense. There's a part of us that knows everything at the mm -hmm. deepest level. We often don't allow ourselves to get in touch with that out of fear. So what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And what are the lies I'm telling myself? costing me what is mm. it costing me the other thing is and i'll speak about that in a second but the other thing is is asking yourself what is the payoff that i have for not telling the truth what is the payoff that i have for lying to myself often there is a payoff that we have for lying to myself payoff as in sometimes we're afraid of telling ourselves the truth because we're afraid if i acknowledge something about my partner or my spouse then i know it's over and so the payoff is, it's a way to sort of keep peace and keep things together, even though I know it's not right. But if I don't tell the truth, then I can kind of like keep everything together. And so often there is a payoff there for not telling ourselves the truth and living the lie. And so I, I, I tell people that when you lie to yourself, it is painful. Many of us, we feel pain. Pain is a signal that we are not in alignment with something authentic pain is often a signal that there is a deeper truth that we're not acknowledging and it's trying to communicate to us and so in many ways pain is a friend pain is a blessing but we in our culture we don't listen to we distract ourselves we drunk drink it away drug it away sex it away smoke it away shop it away social media it away just to not feel the truth 
And mm. so acknowledge the pain. And so some people might say, but how do I know if I'm lying to myself? If I'm lying to myself, because I don't know if I'm lying to myself. And so what I would ask people to sit with is, look at where you feel pain in your life. Because the if you, even if you think that you're not lying to yourself or you're not aware, emotional pain, feeling depressed, emotional pain, feeling lethargic, lack of energy, irritable, that could be a sign that mm. there's some truth that you're not acknowledging. Uh, physical ailment, back, ache, shoulder, ache, that might be kind of reoccurring or consistent. It's like your deeper unconscious speaking to you, right? Thirdly, maybe an ongoing disease that may be manifesting in your body as, as a result of not acknowledging some deeper truth. And so now your body is trying to communicate to you to get your attention. Um, sometimes people might manifest, you might manifest people in your life, like, why do I keep manifesting angry people? I just keep manifesting angry partners, angry people, but they're reflecting to you your own internal anger that you're not acknowledging. And so I would ask people to sit with what pain is there in your life and what is the message of the pain? And so what, what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? You know, what is it costing me? What is the pain uh, reflecting to me or the message of the pain? And what is the payoff for not telling myself the truth? And I think these are, are some things that they could, that we could sit with. What is the worst that can happen by telling the truth? And I think something does also happen when we're able to acknowledge and face and maybe even make peace with the worst case scenario, it frees us up also. And even asking oneself the question, what is the best thing that can happen if I tell the truth? Because sometimes we're so focused on the worst that we end up making all of these negative streets of fantasies about the worst thing that's gonna happen and the worst thing that's gonna happen in the future that often never happens that we forget the best thing that can happen. The most amazing thing that can happen that may not that may be beyond our current capacity to see. Now, did you, with all this coming up okay. and you giving advice to others, did you have a personal experience with surrender that you'd be comfortable sharing, or that yeah, at least look, motivated think, you to write this? I think I've had many experiences of surrender throughout my whole life, uh, and I'll share a few of them because I think that they, they, they might help people. Like as a kid. And we may have spoken about this before, but as a kid, I grew up in the church. And so my father's mm -hmm. a healer, a minister, prominent, prominent figure, uh, had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London, um, hundreds of thousands of followers. I started speaking at age eight. I was ordained at 14. And my life was basically said, I was the guy taking over my father's organization. And it was a huge thing, a huge responsibility. And at 14, I realized this was not my path. This was not my path. And it was terrifying because I thought, wow, how do I tell my father, who I love, this larger than life figure that this is not my path? Like, he'll never speak to me again. So I said nothing for four years, went into internal conflict and turmoil and depression, questioning until at age 18, I realized I had to make a choice. I could follow the expected path for my life or I could follow my soul. I could follow my truth, which was going a whole different direction. And I chose to follow my truth. And that was a surrender. It was terrifying. It was scary. But I really believe that when you follow your truth and your soul and don't compromise that, you will always end up in the right place at the right time with the right people, even though the route that you take may not be the one that you most expect. And so I, I surrendered and I accepted it. And I had to grieve and I had to make peace with the fact that I may not have a relationship with my father. That was the worst case. I had to just make peace with that. And when I did, it was challenging, but it freed me. 
and we didn't speak for two years. And long story short, but I ended up winning a green card uh, to come from London to the US in the lottery. And that's what enabled me to come from London to the US uh, on this green card lottery. So that was like one example very early on for me of just, I have to surrender to my truth. Mm. And yet years later, my father and I, we reconnected. But not by me being who he, who I thought he needed me to be. Because I saw, if you, if I lie to myself now, and this is what we get caught up in, and this is why I think some of us feel unhappy inside. If you lie to yourself to get love, validation, and approval from those around you, you will have to lie to yourself for the rest of your life, mm. and that's yeah. painful. And I think many of us we feel the pain because when we, even if we get the love and the validation that we're wanting, by being someone that we're not. Deep down, it's not really fulfilling because we know that the version of ourselves that they're loving isn't really who we are. So the love that they give us is not fulfilling and we're not happy anyway. And wow. so I think there's nothing more freeing than just being who you are. And so that was one example. The book itself, The Magic of Surrender, was inspired by my mother. And so in 2016, the end of it, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And that was really, really, my mother was the closest person to me. She was like everything to me, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, when the person you love the most gets died, it, it, it was rough, it was hard. And so I was in LA and I decided I would fly to, my mother was in London. I'm gonna go to London. I went every, every month, I went for one week for an entire year, flying back and forth to be with my mother. And I decided at first I'm gonna heal her. I'm going to give her, alternative therapies and green powders and supplements. And honestly, after about two months, I realized she, she just, she, she wasn't cooperating the way I wanted her. I wanted her to, she was like, no, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to take that. I'm going to do what I want. And I was so caught up in like fixing her and making her well, that I was getting so angry that I, I, it was, it was almost like I was missing the point of being with her. And, and mm -hmm. so I had to surrender to the fact that she has her own journey. And she has her own path. And so when I did, and I started to accept the possibility that she might die. And every moment, like there was no future. There was just now, every moment became so sacred and precious and holy, so to speak. And, and, and it, it became so beautiful. I was just able to surrender and be with my mother in every moment. And, and here's what happened about six months into the process of her getting chemo and, and all of this, uh, the doctor said, there's nothing we can do for you. You're going to die, so get your affairs in order. We don't know how long. It can be days, weeks, or months. It's a very challenging conversation to have. Hmm. And I'm, I'm realizing that my mother is, she's going, you know? Like, yeah. wow, this woman I love. And now I'm full of regret because I thought I had time with her. You know, there were so many things I wanted to do, so many plans I thought I had time to do. And now I'm realizing that the only regret I have in my life is not spending more time with my mom. And it was incredibly painful and humbling. And I asked my mother two questions. The first question was, are you afraid? And my mother looks at me because basically she's going to die. Mm -hmm. And my mother looks at me and she said, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body. This body is just a temporary vehicle for my soul. And she said, yes, this body will die. She said, I've accepted that. It will die. It's okay. But what I am, which is the soul, is eternal. And mm -hmm. so I will be with you from the other side. Like what I am will not die. So I'm not afraid. 
because she knew who she was. She had surrendered to what she really was beyond this physical form. And then I asked my mother, is there anything that I can do for you to basically in your final days, is there anything I can do to make you happy? What do you want me to buy you? Where do you want to travel? Like, what do you, what do you need? And she said, there's nothing I need, son. There's nothing I need. I said, what do you mean? There's nothing I need. I said, what do you want? She said, the only thing I want is what God wants for my life. Mm. And in that moment, I realized everything. I saw that this entire year, she was, you know, it's easy to surrender when life gives you what you want and everything is going according to plan and your bank account's full and your belly's full and everyone, mm. you're with the person you want to be with. But in the face of your mortality, or not, life not going according to plan, here was my mother and she was, so I saw that she, I understood that she was surrendering. She wasn't attached to living and she wasn't attached to dying. She was surrendered to the highest unfolding of her soul, which she wasn't pretending to know. And that was her freedom, you know? And so that was a, a really profound experience for me in surrendering. And then, and just lastly, real quick, when you write a book about surrender, <laughs> You better be careful. A lot of stuff comes out. <laughs> my, my, my next book is going to be like how to be a billionaire. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because, because when you write a book about surrender, somehow the universe says, okay, we, we have to like gonna... make sure you understand mm -hmm. what this means. And so just as I, I, as I was beginning to write a book about surrender, COVID hits, number one. For a moment, I'm like, did COVID happen because of me? You know, that was a joke. I would tell myself, so COVID <laughs> hits, which forced a massive surrender for the planet. Mm -hmm. Not just myself, a huge surrender process where we went into the unknown and went into the process of like not knowing what the hell is going to happen. That's huge surrender. And so COVID hits. Uh, I, I had to basically, I left Los Angeles, which was huge. And I'd been in LA for 20 some years. I gave up my apartment in LA, my office in LA, which was a huge, let's say, change identity shift for me. I had a house in Phoenix. So I went to Phoenix, which is another huge identity shift. Uh, I was in a relationship with the woman I thought I would going to be with and marry and have kids with, and that dissolved. And that was incredibly, like, brutally heart-wrenching and, and just made me surrender, like, everything because then nothing quite made sense. Like, what the hell is going on? And that's when I realized I really don't know anything. Like, I, like when you think you know and you're so sure, that's when we often put limitations on life. And now life is showing me, you thought you knew, but it wasn't. But what if you thought was, wasn't? And what if you thought wasn't, was? And so what do you really know? And so I think surrender is the willingness to embrace the unknown mm -hmm. and to not know and to allow life, to allow life in its intelligence to reveal itself and show you and to be guided by life. And so then I ended up moving from Phoenix to Miami. Sure, I was going to be in Miami for a year. And this was a new phase of my life. And I ended up in Miami for a year. And then ended up back in LA. And so the whole the whole journey unfolded. I mean, more amazing things have happened. And now I'm able to see like, wow, if COVID didn't happen and that didn't happen and I didn't move and this didn't happen, that didn't happen, this didn't happen, that didn't happen, then I wouldn't have I wouldn't be where I am right now with with you know all these incredible things happening that I couldn't have planned. Yes. But everything often makes sense in retrospect. And often when we're going through tough times and difficult times when things fall apart and we're in the darkness and we don't know what to do, when life is not going according to plan and things aren't manifesting, it often doesn't make sense from the perspective of our mind, logic, personality, and ego. And that's when it can be so easy to 
want to give up. So if anyone is in that place and you're feeling like giving up, don't. Because I'm here to say that life is bigger than you. Life is bigger than your mind. Life is bigger than what you can see. There is a deeper intelligence of life. And I really believe the universe is always conspiring for your highest good, even if you can't see it in this situation right now. But I promise you, if you keep putting one step in front of the next and you learn what you need to learn where you are on a soul level, when you look back in a year or two or three or four or five or ten, you will understand how what you are going through right now in this darkest moment was a necessary puzzle piece for your evolution. It's a necessary thing for your evolution. I love that. And I think it really, this is such a huge um, just mindset to yeah. believe like, I might not understand why this is happening. It sucks, uh -huh. whatever. But I'm I, there's a belief that it's not happening to me. You know, a lot of people right. will get into this like, Things just keep, just this, uh, like, it can be hard and all that, but there is, it's, I don't believe that it's there for some reason, except that what you're saying, it's there, you're, you can handle it and uh, you will grow from it and it will, it will strengthen you and clarify things for you, even if you don't see it now. Yes, and that, in the moment. But, so yeah. trust, trust, you know. Trust, think, it is, it's that's, trust. That's part of surrendering is okay. Yeah. I don't understand it, but. Somehow the universe is, 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 is working something out that I'm not yeah. able to see right now. And, and, and it will be clear. It will be made. You know, I, I think if we, here's the thing. If we knew everything that was going to happen, like, okay, here it is. Many of the, th many of the things that we've done, we would never have began. <laughs> if we knew what we were going to face, and if we knew every step of the journey, then we would not have taken that step. And so I think the intelligence of life knows that. And sometimes it's better that we don't know and we just take the step. And one step leads to the next step, leads to the next step, and leads to the next step. And so life, I believe that life reveals what we need to know when we know it and the level that we need to know it. Mm. Well, I could talk to you forever, but I want people to really um, go and read this beautiful book. Thank so you. can you tell a little bit about like, um, the launch of the paperback and any yeah. any other um, projects or sure, um, yes. programs so that you have to offer. Mm -hmm. The Magic of Surrender book is out now, so go get it. The, the paperback version on yeah, on yeah. Amazon, and it's it's a you know, it's called The Magic of Surrender: Finding the Courage to Let Go, um, and it's a very simple book uh, on one level. I wrote it simply, but I think the concepts are deep. And so it's a simple roadmap to living surrender in every area of your life. And it's something I wrote from my heart and something I'm very passionate about. And I think surrender is, is really the key to life. And then, yeah, for people that want to know more, uh, my podcast, Soul Talk, um, my main website, kuteblackson.com, K-U-T-E-Blackson.com. And for those that maybe feel a calling to go to the next level, you've heard something from the conversation and you feel like really inspired, twice a year I do an event to Bali. Uh, it's called Boundless Bliss, mm. and this is the the last year I'm doing this event uh, in Bali. July the 28th through August the 8th is the next event. People can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com, boundlessblissbali.com. Find out more there, and if you're someone that you feel a calling to make a difference on the planet, you feel inspired by the conversation, you feel ready to share your gifts with the world, it is a 12-day experiential immersion seminar training without wolves that is designed to help free you from your past conditioning and connect you to your authentic truth and catapult you forward into living 
Uh, wow, just... what is not to love about that? Yeah. 12 yeah. days in Bali with you and, and yes. going for Boundless Bliss. That sounds amazing. Yeah, well, yes. we'll have this all in the show notes, but thank you. wow, that sounds incredible. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your your gifts, your knowledge, your wisdom, your soul with us and everyone. And I'm so grateful to have you on here again. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, go check out Coot. And as always, I am pulling for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.